Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like trying to win someone back after they cheated on you, (laughs) actively choosing or not to be the other person, and breaking our people-pleasing habits. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners or anything of the sort. We're just two random people who love to give advice to people. Yes, that is true. We are not professionals. We are not trained in this. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right. This week's check-in topic is inspired by a letter from someone whose name is just some Tinder girl whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from the void. And essentially the question is about the idea of Tinder shame. Uh, Mm. This letter writer says that they are a 26-year-old woman and they are have traditionally dated through Tinder and Bumble and her friends have never criticized her for this, but they do talk down to but they do talk down on other people who have had multiple quote Tinder relationships, uh, Mm. saying things like they've only had Tinder relationships, cringe, or I never took him seriously as an ex because I met him on Tinder, or that is my only friend who has actually found a working relationship on Tinder. And she goes on to write that basically like she feels okay that her dating life looks different than her friends, but on bad days she wonders if she's not able to land a boyfriend from quote real life um because of something about her or like that that is something wrong with her you know what i mean or it somehow mm-hmm. makes her dating less legitimate so i thought tinder mm-hmm. shame would be an amazing check-in topic because i definitely think it's real um and has evolved over time i remember when online dating was first a thing when like, you know, home computers were becoming a thing and (laughs) it was kind of taboo to say that you met your partner on OkCupid or whatever, or Yahoo dating or whatever it was at the time. Yeah. Well, and like even before the internet too, there were like dating services, Right. right? Where you like literally sent in like a VHS recording of you that they would like 
send out to other yes. people or like whatever. And it would be like, oh my God, that's so shameful. Like how desperate are people that they would have to like do this. And now it's like literally everyone is like swiping left on each other, yes. like 45 minutes and like out of the hour every day. And <laughs> 99% less effort. Like back then that VHS oh, tape, you had to like think about where you're going to say, record it, mm-hmm. send it away. This, you literally just, you know, screenshot a picture of somebody. Uh, and you just a like, picture of you, hopefully, if you're not catfishing. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you literally move your thumb a fraction of an inch. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it's just like, yeah. And then, you know, like at the advent of the internet, like people were online dating and everyone was like, this is so dangerous. Like, don't mm-hmm. do that. These people could be anyone. You don't know who they are. Uh, Turns out it was everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And like, I remember when I was like starting college, people were meeting people like not on apps because they didn't exist yet. And people were meeting each other like on like forums of like, like gay websites and like Mm -hmm. meeting up in that way. And also there was like shame attached to that too. Like, oh, you met that person like on a forum? Like what? Why wouldn't you like go to a bar and like get drunk and then meet someone? I know. We are (laughs) such buzzkills. We, I, I definitely think the the reaction has shifted a little, at least in the millennial slash Gen Z generations. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, spooky, speaking from personal experience, that like people are much more open and willing to unabashedly or with some hesitancy admit, like, oh, I met my partner on a dating app or we met on Tinder or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, where do you think this comes from? I mean, I think it comes from this idea of like trying to make ourselves feel better by, by like portraying other people as like more desperate than we are or like, Oh, how sad that they have to try so hard. Whereas like I get to do this by like not trying anything. Um, and I also think that there's like, a a sort of common refrain. I think there's been like sort of a tonal shift that like the realities of online dating people are really grappling with and how it is so commodified and how it is so impersonal in so many ways that, that folks are starting to be like, I don't really want that. And as opposed to like talking about how intimacy is difficult in this time are instead like casting aspersions on people who use (laughs) these Mm. apps as a way to like scapegoat some of this, like, Oh, like you're using Tinder as if it isn't like one of the only viable options out there for meeting people because everyone's on Tinder. Yeah. Um, So I think that there's like a really good conversation that we could have about the ways in which dating apps have changed the ways that we date and how that has, has, I don't think like caused necessarily, but like maybe exacerbated a lack of intimacy in relationships or this like sort of disposableness of relationships, right? Like this idea of like, oh, there's always somebody else out there. Um, But I, I think that what, happens instead is that we just like look at people who are on those types of apps as being like oh you're just looking for like a fling or whatever and it's like no actually this person might be looking for a meaningful and authentic relationship and what other options are there available right like what besides the apps how do you meet people it's not like it's not like singles bars exist anymore. And are no. singles bars even somehow like better than an app? Probably yeah. not. It's probably still really commodified and like not fun. Yeah. I think you touched on too something that I, I think is at the root of this shame, which is our societal 
narrative about what relationships, what types of relationships are okay and what types of relationships aren't okay. You know, saying like, if somebody says I'm using Tinder for uh, you know, a casual hookup or like, I'm not necessarily looking for a long-term relationship that gets like eyebrows from culture too, you know? And I think yep. people conflate that type of dating, you know, like, because this is an avenue for casual dating, it it is assumed that it is also not an avenue for long-term um, relationships or whatnot. Uh, and I think for it sure. goes back to, you know, the types of relationships we culturally celebrate people who are together long for a long time people who were high school sweethearts and are celebrating their 50th anniversary and Mm -hmm. who or like thinking about like rom-coms who met in this like very kismet magical way um you know where they exchanged a book and then wrote in it and then sold it and then found the book and you know (laughs) i love that i I don't remember the plot of serendipity (laughs) but i remember it was wild (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, uh, I think that it's just so funny that us as a society, we want to play coy and romantic so much so that I think we shame people for being really direct, you know, and going on a dating app in a way is being really direct is saying, I'm putting myself out there for connection in one way or another. And Mm -hmm. for some reason, we want it to be, quote unquote, more organic when like, I don't know, things organically happen when you put energy behind them, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) No, that's absolutely that's absolutely real. It's like so many folks, uh, so many folks in like all of these iterations of dating are have been disparaged for revealing the thing that they want right and saying like i want a long-term relationship and people are like oh how pathetic that you would like say that out into the world or like oh i'm just looking to hook up and people being like oh my god i can't believe that you're saying that like and it's like well what is wrong with people saying what they want and then you deciding how you want to respond to the thing that they want right like you know like this idea of like people on tinder are looking to hook up cool like yeah what does that have to do with you like don't hook up with them if you don't want to hook up with them and like let them live their damn life and yeah thank god that they're being like upfront about it but yeah i mean i know lots of people who have met on dating apps i like <laughs> i at this point know I, them to be yes. successful i know their relationships to be like good for them and and so the hang up about like how did people meet feels silly when we have so few options available to us. It's, it is not easy to date outside of apps in this current climate because that's where the people are. That's where people are looking for dating. They're not necessarily going out and looking for it. They're not necessarily like meeting through friends in meaningful ways. So like you can for sure rail against the system that has been created here. And like, we can talk about that and how the apps are like hell holes that like basically exploit people's pain in order to like make money for themselves Hashtag capitalism. But like also, why are we disparaging people who are using those things, which are the only things available to us to be able to like make connection with people? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, And as we've said before, like sometimes, you know, 
dating always has a necessary evil, right? Which is putting yourself out there or, you know, trying something that might feel exhausting or inauthentic. And I know from personal experience that dating apps can be that. Um, For sure. And let this also be a reminder to everybody who has like maybe not met their significant other or someone through their dating app to let's be a little bit more mindful and compassionate and inclusive when we're talking about other people's dating experiences, we sure. don't know what their dating experiences are like or why they are doing mm-hmm. things. Um, and everybody has a different path. So to our letter writer, just so you know, like keep it up. <laughs> You're doing good. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's get into our letters. Uh, so our first letter comes from analysis paralysis. Whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from between a rock and a hard place. Dear Sam and Sierra, my partner, 26, he, him, and I, 24, she, her, started dating in 2016. I was a senior in high school at the time and was totally obsessed with him. He, on the other hand, had recently started college, felt a little weird about talking to a high schooler, and wasn't ready to settle down. We parted ways when I started college myself. We went off to do our thing, though for me, this was a really traumatic time. When we got back in touch my sophomore year, I welcomed the return to his familiar comfort and safety. This time around, he was ready to commit, and we've been in a monogamous relationship since 2018. We align on important values, treat each other respectfully, have rare but productive conflict, and share similar visions for our futures. Our relationship got put to the test when I got accepted into a doctoral program in 2020, the semester after we both finished our undergraduate degrees. It was almost 20 hours away from home. We had no family there and all of his potential professional connections were back at home, but he took the leap of faith and we moved there with me. It was a rough transition for both of us, but we've blossomed into a great team. School has been and continues to be stressful AF for me and demands a lot of my time, but he has been an amazing supporter along my journey. We also adopted a precious puppy dog together. Enter summer 2022. We decided to move into a bigger place with another roommate, his friend, and we found the townhome of our dreams. We signed a 12-month lease that started in August. A couple of nights before move-in day, he fell asleep without setting an alarm for work the next day. I unlocked his phone to set an alarm for him. I had never searched through his phone before, and I swear to God, I had no suspicions, but out of pure unbridled nosiness, I started scrolling through his messages. I discovered that he was texting several other women with local area codes, telling them that he was single, arranging meetups with escorts, and using dating apps. I instantly thought of the time in 2021 when I got the infamous woman-to-woman Instagram message from a stranger, including a screenshot of his Tinder profile. I had confronted him about it at the time, but he claimed that the account was fake. He had never given me a reason to not trust him before, and after proving that he had no Twitter account, I believed him. I now realize that he had lied to my face about that. When I confronted him this time around, he was super apologetic, but insisted that he had never met up with any of these people. He maintained that the Tinder profile from 2021 wasn't him, but he eventually confessed to that too. Although I'm inclined to believe that he didn't meet anyone in person, and I know that many couples have endured more severe breaches of trust, my heart was still broken. There was no going back on the move now. We had to get out of our old apartment the next day, and all of the deposits were paid on the new townhouse. So we moved together during the most painful time ever in our relationship. I was devastated, depressed, down in the dumps for weeks to come, and so was he. I told him that I wanted to work through this if he could. 
He's been consistent, patient, and treated me with such gentle care. He's totally proven himself worthy of a second chance. During this time, we've had a lot of tough conversations, briefly attended individual and couples therapy, we did what we could afford, and worked through an infidelity handbook on our own. I learned that he didn't feel physically desired or sexually, and he needs more reassurance from me. He also feels that I prioritize school over him. I truly understand and empathize with all of that. My sex drive has been on the floor with how freaking tired and stressed I am with school and work. And I admit that post discovery day, I feel a bit of the ick when we kiss maintaining a work-life balance has been really hard for me. And I can see now that I honestly haven't put him first before all of this blew up. I would have been perfectly happy to provide more reassurance to him. If he, I knew that he needed that from me. Now I'm clouded with such doubt and uncertainty that I feel I can't genuinely reassure him of anything. We're both suffering from this feeling of limbo. I also can't shake this feeling that I need to do some self-discovery. I've spent almost my young adulthood with him, aside from the highly traumatic time when I first started college, and I feel like I don't have a clear sense of self without him. I discovered that I'm bi while we were together, and I've felt some grief that I haven't been able to safely explore this identity of mine. I'm sure it's possible to cultivate more independence and to find some congruence with my bi identity within the relationship. But I don't know how to do that while simultaneously trying to treat him like more of a priority, which he absolutely deserves. I feel selfish even thinking about leaving someone who has worked so hard to regain my trust for a reason as silly as, quote, finding myself. Yet I feel just as selfish keeping such a loving and generous partner to myself when I don't feel as certain about him as he does about me. Do I stay, work harder on our relationship in the hopes that I can rekindle our spark and my certainty about him? Do I leave, blow up everything we've built, cut off my main support system on this side of the country and leave me and him and our roommates scrambling with our current housing situation? What do I owe him and what do I owe myself? Thank you so much for reading this and for any input you can offer. I've learned so much from both of you and I'd be elated if one day I reach half the level of emotional intelligence that you two possess. Oh God. Your podcast is, yeah, right. Oh, that's, that's big. Okay. Your podcast is truly making the world a better place with love analysis paralysis. Oh, AP, you are so kind and generous with your words. Thank you for sharing this pickle with us. And thank you for listening and trusting us with this letter. Um, okay, so this is a very difficult position to be in. I see your heart trying so hard to make all of this struggle worthwhile. I see your heart working so hard over time, really, to make so much space for not only forgiveness, but other people's desires, experiences, feelings, you know, you're working really hard mm -hmm. to make a lot in this relationship work that isn't working for you. And I want to know, like, do you trust your partner and do you want to be with him now as he is right now as somebody who cheated on you multiple times and has brought your, like his choices have brought your relationship to this place. Right. Um, you know, because to me and Sam on the outside, it sounds very legitimate that <laughs> you are unsatisfied in this otherwise good relationship, but justifiably not good. <laughs> right? right. Like you keep saying yep. like, Oh, he's very loving. He's working really hard to win back my trust. He's doing all these good things. Sure. But do those attempts at rectifying erase 
or negate what he did. Mm-hmm. Not if you don't want them to, you know, you're, <laughs> right. you're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to say that you deserve better, that you want more, that you just want to, ex- you know, you need space, that you love him yeah. and you forgive him, but I, that you want to try something else. You know, you say you feel selfish, but like what you are describing to Sam and I is somebody who wants to be treated well and to explore her own lived experiences to explore her own possibility of being. There's nothing selfish mm-hmm. about that. There's no, there's yep. especially nothing selfish about that when, you know, the alternative is trying to make it work with somebody who has repeatedly disrespected you, regardless of the safe space that you've created in your relationship. For sure. Absolutely. And I think that the fact that you are feeling this sort of push away from him is telling you something, yeah. right? Like the fact that you are having trouble, like wanting to kiss him, you're not finding it easy to reassure him. It's, it's telling me that there's something that is still happening in your relationship that, that your pain or whatever it is that you need hasn't been met yet, right? There's, there's still something there that's causing, preventing you from doing that. And it might be that you just need to try harder, right? Like, sure, maybe, and it also might be that that the the blows that have happened to your relationship have maybe shaken loose something different about what is present there. I I don't want to say that like you obviously should break up with this person, but I also am sort of hearing what you're saying that you just don't have time to figure out what you want, what you need, what what needs to happen next because of the fact that you are so busy because of the fact that you are um in such a place where, where there's so many demands on your time and your energy. And I also think like, if you wanted to do it, you'd probably find time to do it. And it sounds to me like you don't want to, and not in like a way of like, you're a bad person because of this, but in a way that there's something that hasn't quite clicked into place for you yet. That is either like gotten you to a point where you're like, Oh, I think that this is a relationship that's worth my time and energy or that says like, I can do this with, with much more ease than I would normally have, have been able to. Right. And so I don't know what that thing is. And it sounds like you don't know what that thing is either, but I do want you to listen to that part of you that saying like something about this isn't working still mm-hmm. something about no matter yep. how patient, no matter how kind, no matter how apologetic you are, in this moment, something about this isn't actually addressing the problem. That's it. So what is the thing that I need? Do I need space? Do I need to yell at you? Do I need you to be doing something different with your time? Do I need to not be in this relationship anymore? And that level of self-awareness is really hard. And I hear that you're, you're sort of recognizing that inkling that that's something that you need, but I don't see how this relationship changes unless something changes about the dynamic that you two are currently in. And that's going to take an intentional understanding of yourself and not just what you two need in order for this relationship to be working, but also what you need as a person for this relationship to be working. Not what he's giving you, which sounds like are all great things that he's giving you, but what you need from him or from yourself or from someone else in this relationship. I don't know you. I don't know your partner, but I think as an outsider that you need to give yourself permission to 
to leave that you need to say, I have permission to say no to this love. Mm -hmm. I have no, I have permission to say no, thank you. You know, thank you next. Um, I know what it feels like, you know, as somebody who was cheated on multiple times and returned to that person with the knowledge that they had cheated and lied to my face, you know, multiple times, like, yep. Um, and, and took that knowledge and said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to polish this shit stain, you know, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stay, you know, uh, I know what it's like to feel like you need to make something out of the hurt, you know, you need to, mm. you need yeah, the real. hurt to be worth something or to work out or to, to have a reason for the hurt, you know, um, to need the struggle that you went through as a couple that this person put you through to amount to something, but the something doesn't have to be this relationship. The something could be a deeper understanding, a more joyful exploration. It could, the something could be a better, healthier relationship for both of you with other people. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like we have this narrative about infidelity or other things akin to that that they need to the the struggle needs to be part of the journey in making this relationship more something you know or more successful or or whatever yep because we often don't give ourselves permission to say things like I forgive you, but this isn't for me, you know, to reject love. The thing that's most relatable about this letter is somebody trying, you know, how intoxicating and human and emotional is to have someone say, oh, I'm so sorry. I can do better. I want to fix it. Here are all the ways like how, you know, it's so natural that it's hard to say no to somebody coming to us and spilling their humanity and trying their best and being apologetic. And also we have to make space for the fact that no matter how apologetic our loved one might be, no matter how sincere and articulate they are about what made them disrespect us or, or overstep the, the bounds of our relationship in however we set them up, we have to be able to say, I see your humanity. I see your sincere apology. I see your regret. I honor that. And I'm also going to take myself elsewhere because I, because this has intrinsically and forever changed my view of you. Like you have to give yourself permission to say that. Yep. And, and the next, the something that you get out of this struggle could be a better relationship for both of you elsewhere, because now you've learned from this experience. He's learned from this experience that if he wants more intimacy, if he feel, if he's feeling neglected, then it is his adult interpersonal responsibility to communicate that and not enact that in, in harmful ways that go outside of the agreed upon dynamics of your relationship yeah absolutely um 
yeah, I wish that he had also written us a letter so that we could <laughs> we could give yeah. some tough love to him. Uh, like, why are but you also, writing us? Why is yeah. it well, like your boyfriend should write us and say, why do I keep cheating on my girlfriend who's really good to me? I feel like I yep. can't bring my needs to her. This is not your this is your opportunity to say, you know what? I gave a lot to this relationship. It might not have been perfect, but like I didn't deserve that. So I'm going to go sure. find something elsewhere. Like Sam's saying, you don't have to break up with this person, but I'm saying like, it's. Yeah. Sierra's like ready. She's, she's time. triggered by it's this time. letter. No, no, I'm not triggered. <laughs> I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited for your future because yes. it can be liberating to realize the limitations of what you're allowing yourself to receive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I'm fully on board with the idea that like, maybe this relationship isn't the one this is, we've switched, we've switched roles. I'm totally dump on board him. with the idea that, <laughs> yeah, that this is, that you may need to dump him and something in this relationship needs to fundamentally change. So it is either a moment of like, you deciding that this relationship isn't for you, which seems like is Sierra's point of view. And I don't disagree. <laughs> uh, or you need to start changing your behavior to offer him the things that he's asking for, right? He's being vulnerable. He is offering you. He is saying that he's sorry. He is doing things like being patient and kind with you. And he's saying, this is the thing that I need from you. And you either <laughs> <right>. need to, <laughs> you either, you can't exist in this limbo anymore where he is trying really hard and you're saying, I'm too tired, right? It either needs to be like, I'm too tired for this relationship, so let's end it. Or yeah. you need to also be offering something back to him. And it's hard right now, and I totally get that. And hopefully it will get easier as time goes on with more practice around it. But sometimes the hardest part is just like the first time you do it. So all this to say... I don't think, I don't know that you should stay with him. I don't know that you should break up with him. Sierra thinks that you should break up with him. But if you, but something needs to be different. You need to be doing something different in this situation because the path that you're on right now where he's like trying so hard to get you to forgive him and you are like in this limbo is not sustainable for either of you. So this is a shit or get off the pot type of moment. Like you need to pick a different course of action than the yes. one that you're currently on. Yeah. And you have the right to do that. You have the right yes. to say this has to change. Both of you do. I feel like this is yes. a yep. this is a game of chicken about making your relationship matter or work. And I want you to be honest with him about why it's hard for you to give him reassurance and not just that you're tired because that's not the whole story. I promise mm -hmm. you. I want you to be honest about why this. Maybe you don't have giving reassurance. Giving him the thing that he needs. <laughs> maybe you don't. Yeah. Have maybe it. you need more reassurance. <laughs> maybe, right. Absolutely. Maybe it's not in you to give it. Right. I want you to be really honest about that piece of it as well. And again, if that sounds like too much work, I don't blame you. It sounds like you've got a lot on your plate. Yes. But this relationship isn't sustainable without either doing that work or leaving the relationship. Right. Yep. Those are sort of, I think, the two options that are available to you Perfect. in this moment. Absolutely. I know you're in a tricky place, my darling, but I promise you are going to come out on the other side of this in a better place, either path that you that you take. Uh, and I love you. Sam loves you. And we hope this helps. Uh, we do. Thank you so much for writing. <laughs> what happened there? Just, I love you. I love said ya. the wrong thing. Let <laughs> 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 oh, me do this. We do it again. No, I keep it. Keep it. <laughs> okay, keep it. <laughs> I said the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month, so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, our next letter comes to us from on the razor edge of a mistake whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from Marriage Falls, USA. That's great, funny. Great That's title. Funny. Yep. Uh, they write, Dear Sierra and Sam, thank you in advance for the answer I kind of already know is coming. <laughs> 
I have deep feelings for a married man more than a decade older than me. I'm in my 40s. We've known each other for quite some time, though most intensely over the past two years. Nothing physical has happened, minus a few long hugs of the few times he's come to my house for very short visits. I'm single, never married, not dating anybody, though I'm half-heartedly attempting to online date again, much mm. as I want to loathe it. Mostly to dispel this current wave of ennui and vague loneliness that have settled that has settled over me and also with the hopes of meeting somebody interesting enough to banish married man from my psyche and my loins. <laughs> mm. I'm very attracted to him. He's very sweet to me and we communicate on every day, mostly via long text conversations before bed and regular phone calls. I don't actually see him that often. His marriage has devolved into a roommate situation and according to him, not even a fun roommate situation. She doesn't seem to like him very much, but they stay together. There's been no sex or affection or intimacy for a number of years, he tells me. I know he could be lying, but I believe him. The children are no longer at home. He stays because he's worried about financial ruin. He was divorced once and said he lost everything. He doesn't want to do it again. I don't blame him, but I also don't know how he can stay in something that makes him so unhappy and will likely never revert back to a romantic relationship. He has made it clear that if I ever want to begin a sexual relationship with him, he is in. I've wavered back and forth for months now. Some days I think, why not? Life is short. And other days I think, no, I'd be hurt another person his wife and i just know my feelings would catch even more fire if we started getting naked most days i feel this longing for him but i know he's likely to never leave and if he did it wouldn't be for years and then he'd be an emotional wreck for a while but i would love to experience some intimacy with him and sometimes i think that it would be nice even if it winds up breaking my heart if he happened to show up one day and kiss me i'm not sure i'd be able to stop the train from rolling wws SASD, what would Sam and Sierra do? Thank you so much for your podcast. Love you. Thank you so much for writing and listening on A Razor's Edge of a Mistake. For That's sure. Such a fantastic title, her name. That's great. Yeah, what well, would Sam and Sierra do in this situation? I would 100% Probably make the mistake of... Make the mistake, 100%, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Date that married man. Yes, what are we going to tell you to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very different. <laughs> <laughs> just wanna just what, wanna be super honest. It should or at be least like, WWSASD. What no no W H S A S D. What has Sierra and Sam done? <laughs> <laughs> what have we done? Uh, <laughs> there we go. That is that is really true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> Slept with a married person? Check have that done off that. the list. Check. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if they were married, but I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing years ago. That's All a great right. point. <laughs> I'd like to think that like as a as a person who has learned things, um, that wouldn't happen to learned me. But thing? like yeah. I don't know, man. Like I don't know. <laughs> no, I think at this point I wouldn't. I mean, honestly, because I feel too accountable to the Just Breakup audience. Can you all imagine <laughs> if Sam and I like had some like extramarital affair and we had to come on here and lie to you all every oh day? <laughs> Talk about relationships every week is why I am. I have my shit together. Y'all should just make podcasts. Seriously. <laughs> it would be so helpful. Honestly, yeah. this is why I talk about all the shit that I did in my 20s, because I'm like, if anyone ever finds this out and like 
exposes it. It's like, I need to just like own it all oh my God, yeah. ahead of time. Yeah. And it makes us more exciting now. Like, you know what time I went to bed last night with my wife, 845. Like <laughs> I'm not as juicy oh. as I was then. Okay. Anyway, um, back to our lovely letter writer. I want to say a quick caveat before I give you the advice that you know I'm going to give you because you already know it because you have great intuition about yourself and, and this experience. The caveat <laughs> is you're right. Life is short. And the uh -huh. assumption that all relationships and marriages and entanglements look the same or follow some sort of universal orderly laws is a flawed assumption. Like there is a world in which this man and his wife open up their, there's an understanding or, you know, I'm just trying to like make space for alternative experiences of this while not also not like necessarily justifying the decision, you know, um, mm -hmm. I am not against a married person going off and sleeping with somebody else. If that is the agreed upon arrangement that they're sure. like, you know, relationships look different all the time. That being said, it doesn't sound like that is the scenario going on here. Right. No. Um, mm -hmm. And what, you know, we're going to say is something along the lines of it's time for some radical honesty with yourself about yourself about this situation and about this person, the radical honesty, you know, we learned this trick from Virgie Tovar, uh, one of our guests on a head and heart work interview, um, who said that she experienced some great growth by practicing radical honesty with herself by saying every day, I'm choosing to be in a relationship with somebody who disrespects me and treats me as a sex slave, like saying it out loud, I'm choosing this every day. I'm choosing this until mm -hmm. that sort of settled in and she decided to choose something differently. So yep. some of the radical honesty I can see in this is I'm choosing to emotionally and potentially physically pursue a man who is choosing not to be with me or mm. who is married to somebody. I'm choosing to be with somebody who is not fully available. I'm choosing yep. to limit the emotional and physical availability of my future partner and honestly, more importantly, I want to say what he's choosing because he has agency in this. Like he's mm -hmm. choosing to stay married. Not only that, he's choosing to believe that every divorce is going to be the same. Um, True. And I think if you write down what you know to be true and then be like, okay, well, what, what is this going to leave me with? Uh, what is this going to cultivate in my life? Is this going to make me... It might, you wrote like, it might be worth it if it breaks my heart, but then what are you left with? So say, say this tryst happens for three years. So now in three years, you're in the same position, but you've, you have this heartbreak and you have to deal with this man, like haunting your life. I don't know. <laughs> right. I see all the pros. I really do. But I see those it cons. Sounds sexy. It does sound sexy, but those cons are the, are the cons that are going to pay off over the long run more, I feel like. Mm -hmm. yeah, and and not, not just like respecting somebody's marriage, you know, it's that I don't want you to feel worse down the line when he does what he says he's going to do, which is not leave his wife. Yes, absolutely. 
yeah. And I think this is one of those situations where it's like, um, we feel like we don't have a choice in the matter Yeah. when in fact we do have a choice in the matter. It's just that all of our choices are shitty, <laughs> right? Yes. Like, oh my God. That's so real. That's it. <laughs> right. And like, I, and I just want to like name that, like it sucks to be online dating right now, right? It sucks to be online dating in your forties. It sucks to be physically and spiritually attracted to somebody who refuses to, to end their relationship, even though you know that they're unhappy, right? Like this situation is like a no win win situation that in a so lot real. of different ways. Um, and despite all of those shitty options that you have available to you, there are some that are shittier than others, right? <laughs> and just because you are in a situation where there are no good options available to you doesn't mean that you can't at least choose one that is going to be at least a little bit more helpful and sustainable for you. Um, all of that said, I wouldn't, I would not judge you if you had sex with this man, right? Like I, I totally get it. Like I, I deeply understand and relate to this letter, but I also know that that decision isn't something that's going to be a long-term sustainable solution for you. And like Sierra said, I think it's going to make you feel worse about yourself in this moment. And what I don't want for you in this right now is to, for you to feel worse about yourself. So it's like, what do you want to do that is going to be helpful? Even if that thing doesn't provide you with the immediate gratification, like what, what are some things that you're going to do to help love and support yourself in the face of all of these shitty situations? What are some things that you're going to do to build yourself up in the reality of the fact that you are single and looking in the reality of the fact that you haven't found somebody to support you in the way that you want to be supported in the fact of the reality that you have to say no to this person who otherwise you would desperately want to say yes to. What are some of the things that you need to do in order to, to sort of to build your own capacity to sit in this shitty situation. And maybe that is, you know, taking up drugs <laughs> or like maybe that is what like <laughs> going to therapy. Maybe that is like planning taking up drugs. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That was the thought. That was the first thing that came to my head. Oh, uh, God. Maybe that is carving out time for yourself every day to do something that you love. Right. And like, that sounds really trite and stupid given the fact that like, this is a pile of shitty decisions that you're stuck with, but I want you to do it in a way that acknowledges like, yep, this is really shitty. And also I still have choices available yeah. to me. There are still things that I can do to support myself in the shitty reality. I would say that it's not even that this is shitty because right now it's soothing certain things. It's entertaining certain sure. things. It's, it, it feel, you know, his attention and the possibility of this, ex, you know, relationship is, it's exciting. It's the fact that both choices are guarantee some sort of discomfort. You know what I mean? And he, what I was thinking about when you were talking is that like, this letter writer is now going to be not only left with the choice of what, what does she want to do with this person? You know, does she want to pursue mm -hmm. this physical relationship or not? And the fact that like, he's, if you decide like, I don't want to be with this person because he's married and there's not a future here for me, he's still going to be in your periphery. He's going to, he's still going to be in your text messages until you actively remove him. He's going to be yep. right in front of you. 
until you decide you want to do something differently. And mm-hmm. that's the tricky part. You can say, I don't want to have an affair with this man. I don't want to be the other woman. I don't want to do all that. Like no judgment in any direction there. But the trickiest part about this whole thing is that you're going to have to say, you might have to say, I don't want your friendship and your attention anymore because it's preventing me from creating space and connections for other people um, Mm. with other people. Uh, He's taking up space and energy right now in your, you know, loin fantasies and your feelings station in your brain and heart. He's taking up space there even though he can't fully reciprocate it and he's taking up space and energy for people that other people could inhabit. Um, he's, he's a shiny, fantastic distraction right now. Uh, not to, not to disparage your actual connection or friendship, but like you are a distraction for him as well. Um, and I want to say that you you share a lot about his relationship that he has told you in it. Like, you know, he, there's no sex or af- affection and like he might be lying to you, but you don't think he is. Like, I guess what I'm wondering is like, does it matter? Does it matter that he, he isn't having sex with this woman? Like, is that what would no. make you feel bad? <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Is that what, is that, is that the moral line? Like, well, if he's having sex with his wife, then I don't want to have this physical relationship with him. Yep. Well, why is it sex then? Why, why does sex determine, um, a level of discomfort, um, or the fact that his For children sure. aren't at home? I think that I'm, I'm not posing that in any, um, disparaging or I'm not posing that in a way to, uh, make you feel bad or anything. Honestly, I'm just like posing it so that you question yourself, like, cause he very well could be having sex with his wife or maybe he isn't. And what do those things mean to you? You know, like, is it, mm. is it meant to be one sexual partner at a time? Because that is going to be the antithesis of sleeping with a married man just in general. Do you know what I mean? Also like, yes. just remember how we started this letter, like been there, done that. No, no judgment here. No, just want to want you to make the decision that is the most nutritious for your life, not just the most like tantalizing or satiating. For sure, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, no, I I agree with that, Sierra. That I don't think that there's any there's any nutrition, any healing with this man, um, or even like continuing to have contact with this man. I don't know what your your situation is. And like, if you work together or if you need to remain in contact or whatever it is, but, um, I don't, I think that there's a lot of temptation here. I think that there's a lot of like immediate gratification here, but I don't think that there's any sustainability in pursuing this relationship or even having this person continue to be part of your life. Okay. I know this is tricky, my darling. Um, but you are fully capable of making, um, whatever decision you make and following through with it, uh, you have Sam and I support behind you and we hope that this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right. Our next letter comes from hopefully X chameleon whose pronouns are he, him, who is writing from the desert USA. Dear Sierra and Sam. I am a 26-year-old he-him hetero male who was about five months out of a four-year relationship. 
My partner was an amazing early 30s woman, she, her, and we shared so many memories of love and excitement together in what I thought was a great relationship. I was the one who decided to end things after an unfortunate stroke of clarity. I almost died in an accident, and to deal with the trauma of it, I started therapy. Yay. However, along with techniques I was learning to manage the trauma responses, I was later unpacking some childhood and current stuff that my therapist and I found ourselves coming back to. Long story short, I realized that I was staying in the relationship because I was content with the feeling of being unconditionally loved rather than being truly happy. I was also molding my life to fit the relationship and be who I perceived my partner to want rather than being my true authentic self. With more reflection, I realized that I had been a chameleon in most of my relationships in the past as well. I knew I was a terrible people pleaser type of person, but I guess I didn't know how bad it was. I kind of knew about a year ago, but really started to notice all my fun quirks and hobbies had either disappeared or changed to be part of this new person I perceived my partner to want. It was nothing that she did at all. I was just obsessed with being the perfect boyfriend for her rather than knowing that she was just loved me for me. Again, fun childhood stuff. Am I right? We tried finding a new balance for months and opened up communication about where I was at and what it would take to get me back to what I'm going to call my old self. I kept trying and trying to figure it all out and how to get my two separate selves back into my true one. She was supportive all the way through and I will always be grateful for that. I was falling into mild depression at the time and had thought it was more post-accident bullshit, but with talking with my therapist, it was linked more to the relationship than the accent accident. I was happy being her boyfriend, but I was not happy. It was such a hard decision to leave someone as loving as her, but in our current dynamic, I felt I could not give her what she needed any longer and needed to focus on myself. We were living together. The lease was ending and she was looking for a new job all around the same time. So I moved out and she actually left the state altogether. Oof. I moved in with some close friends and we have a supportive home together. As terrible and wonderful as this time was, within weeks I had started to blossom back into the quirky, optimistic, and funny person that I used to be. My roommates and all of my friends noticed, and I've honestly been so happy for most of these months after the breakup, getting back into my old self. Okay, we're finally getting to the question part. I have recently started on dating app to find something casual. Frustratingly, the first person I met is a wonderful human, and our connection has been very genuine, and our conversations captivate me for hours. We've only been on a couple of dates, and the next time we meet, I plan to talk with her about taking things pretty slow. She texts a lot of the boxes that I had thought hard about with life goals, etc., but I know I have a lot more work on myself first. I'm not saying that I want to start a relationship with this girl right now, but I made, but it made me think hard about future relationships. Okay, so this is a long-winded way to get to my real question. LOL, sorry for word vomiting all of this, but this new situationship has me thinking... How do I keep checking in with myself going forward that I'm not changing myself subconsciously for a partner? Also, I know we all change a little bit, but how much is too much? Do I bring up this concern that I have with them down the road to make sure that I don't break someone else's heart because I have this track record? How do I sustainably navigate just being authentically me and not changing that much this time around? Hmm. I tend to be like Sierra and like to dive straight into things, which has probably been part of the problem, but I'm trying to be more conscious about everything that has happened going forward. I at least know that I do this now and I feel like that's a good start, but any advice on how to make a sustainable future would be much appreciated. I also love the tough love if I'm being an idiot. So throw it my way if you've got it. Love a hopefully ex-chameleon. 
All right, my darling. Thank you so much for writing and trusting us with this letter. Um, First of all, we are so glad you are still alive. We are grateful for your therapy journey that has, you know, maybe unearthed some pretty tricky things for you. But it sounds like you are doing um, well and you're doing this very noble um, thing, uh, which is the head and heart work of, of preparing yourself for the next relationship better understanding yourself, Mm -hmm. like bettering that relationship with the self. Um, I find so much of this letter relatable, you know, even the term chameleon Mm -hmm. I thought was really interesting, especially for folks like me who have struggled with people pleasing in such a way that maybe we change our identities or, or parts of ourselves to fit into new relationships, new social circles, et cetera. Um, Yeah. I relate to, a lot of this. And I think I especially relate to this idea of, you know, who am I if I'm constantly seeking myself outside of myself? You know, who mm. who am I if my identity is built on this call and response of, of you know, codependency? I, I learned recently, my therapist told me recently, like people pleasing is a form of codependency. And so it, there's the call and response of, I want to be loved. You, you know, love me. Let me be like you. Let me intertwine my identity with who right. you are so that I feel affirmed yep. and safe um, in, in this interdependent or in this codependent dynamic. Um, and to try to figure out who you are when the call and response is now suddenly, who am I? And the only person who responds is you. <laughs> it can be really mm-hmm. scary and uh, uncomfortable and vulnerable to be like, who am I without other people? So thank you so much for the opportunity yeah. to explore this letter. Yeah. And I think that when I was, when I was younger, I really thought that like who I was, was about personality, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and my personality is obviously like so many of our personalities malleable depending on like who we're with and who we're around. But I think that one of the things that I've discovered about my own sense of self is that my personality can change in a lot of different ways. And it actually isn't who I am. Mm -hmm. Who I am is actually about what sort of intentional choices am I making in how I show up and who I show up to, right? It is not about like, it's not necessarily about being consistently a type of person all the time, but instead about, am I consciously making this decision to shift and adapt based on my circumstances, based on the context, based on who I'm with, or am I doing it out of an impulse to be liked? Am I doing it because it feels like I have to? Am I doing it because of all of these different reasons? And sort of realizing that like my personality is allowed to shift. I'm allowed to shift in relationships, but really the important thing is like whether or not I'm consenting to do it, whether or not I'm doing it in pursuit of a goal or in pursuit of my, my own sort of betterment or my own authenticity that has been transformational for me. Because I think in a lot of ways, like the way that I am around Peter is really different than the way that I am around Sierra is really mm-hmm. different than the way that I am around my mom is really different than the way that I am around my coworkers. And it's okay that I show up different in those different spaces because I'm intentionally making the choices to show up in those different spaces 
while also being like uncompromising in things that are still important to me. Yes. Um, and, and that's a, that for me has been like a hard one thing and something that I obviously still struggle with. Um, so I applaud you for, for trying to figure that out and just offer that sort of insight to help you figure out what it looks like or feels like for you to be in relationship with somebody and understandably change aspects of the way that you interact with them based on how you would interact with your roommates who sound like great friends with you. I think that is so beautifully articulated, Sam, because that explains so well the ideology behind what we say often, which is I am whole even as I become. I am my most authentic, authentic self, even as I discover more about myself, you know, or even Mm -hmm. as I discover that I may be in a situation or a dynamic that I don't want to be in or that I, I feel disconnected from myself. I am whole even in those moments. And guess what? To our lovely letter writer, you are going to change in your next relationship. You are going to be changed by this partner. You are going to be changed by your friendships, by the dynamics in in your life at that time, by the revelations you have, by two strangers via a podcast, hopefully, maybe just a little. Um, (laughs) You know, they're... That is going to be a part of any future relationship. It is empowering, though, and exciting to me that you are beginning this process, this ongoing lifelong process of checking in with yourself, you know, of identifying that you have a pattern of people pleasing Mm. and you have a pattern of, um, you know, swallowing your own desires to avoid discomfort or to, to receive that unconditional love. That is, that's power right there to know that you have the capacity or propensity to do that. Um, And so now you start the next, the next leg of the journey is practicing how to check in with yourself. You know, how do you, how do you form that relationship? How do you nurture the relationship with yourself? If, your people pleasing pleasing or your love seeking has has become a form of codependency in the past or has has shown up in this way in the past i learned something in therapy recently that we're actually going to talk about in an upcoming patreon episode we're going to dive a little deeper into this so if you like this join the conversation at patreon.com slash just break a pod but Um, I was recently told by my therapist that disappointing other people isn't and shouldn't feel dangerous. And that might sound Hmm. inherently simple to some people. But to me, I wrote that down during my therapy session and I couldn't even bring myself to look at it, the sentence that I wrote, and I couldn't bring myself to say it without crying. Um, That felt so untrue to me. It felt Mm. inherently untrue to who I was as a person. And in that session, we sort of explored this idea that, you know, in my past, I have avoided disappointing people. And that has led me to have this 
chameleon, to use your words, esque behaviors or manipulative behaviors or what I coded as selfish, you know, oh, I just, Mm. I wasn't brave enough to just break up with them. So I ghosted them or I was, you know, scared of hurting their feelings. So I just stayed with them, even though I didn't want to be with them and their relationship dissolved or whatever. Um, And I've always been really hard on myself about those things. And talking about this made me realize that oftentimes when we are avoiding disappointing other people, when we are chronic people pleasers, it isn't inherently manipulative, although that might be the outcome, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not inherently evil of us. It is us seeking safety. It is us seeking the antithesis of danger, you know, the opposite of danger is safety. So people pleasing is so often trying to find a sense of safety and security and lovability that we are for other reasons denying ourselves. Um, And I hope that that speaks to you. And that you take that understanding and explore the caverns inside yourself that have led you to seek safety outside of yourself. Why don't you and I feel safe within ourselves? Why don't you and I feel comfortable enough to say, I'm going to go do this craft or hobby that I love that you are not interested in, (laughs) you know, Um, or I am not happy in this relationship and I'm going to leave and I have the right to do that or whatnot. You know, I don't know how this shows up in you, but I feel kindred with you in the way that I have often found myself in situations that I don't want to be in because I want to be what the other person wants me to be. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it seems like the difference is about, am I shifting or changing out of love for this person, mm-hmm. right? Where I want to meet them somewhere or am I shifting or changing out of a fear of that love being taken yes. away from me? Yes. And, and those are very different motivations that lead to very different patterns of behavior. Yes. That metaphor that you just said, or like that phrase that you just said, literally what I imagined is two people either meeting in the middle or the other person running so far away from themselves because yeah. The insecurity, the anti-safety of loving yourself, you know, when you are a chronic people pleaser or you have been taught via childhood dynamics that your worth is inherent to the way other people love you, you know, that the safety is making other people happy. Um, It can be really scary to be left alone with just who you are by yourself. That call and response that I referenced earlier when you're just calling out empty into the void of yourself, it's so uncomfortable, but to our letter writer, like this this is a part of the journey. This is, I mean, I'm glad you're doing it in your twenties because I'm just jumping on this train in my (laughs) thirties. Here we go. (laughs) I think this is funny because I feel like this is where like your two-iness comes out and my five-iness comes out where it's like your lesson is that you like don't have to run to other people out of fear of your own self. And my thing is like, you don't have to like hold on to every aspect of yourself as if like any sort of change is compromised. Yes, <laughs> right? totally. It's like a, a fundamental compromising of your, your identity. Right. Yes. Cause it's like, you know, I think like, for example, like as somebody who is an introvert, like a lot of me for a long time thought like, 
if I am doing anything outside of introversion, I am somehow compromising myself and I am unsafe, right? Like I'm not, I'm not taking care of myself in, in the right way, but like over the course of the last few years have realized like, no, I'm a human who's capable of hard things. And so like I can be extroverted with people who need extroversion from me and not compromise who I am as a person, right? Not compromise this idea that I know I'm still an introvert. I still need to recharge afterwards, but like changing my behavior is okay because I'm doing it in order to right. meet that person's energy, right? Or I'm doing mm-hmm. it because, because I'm trying to build rapport with someone or I'm doing it because it's needed of me, right? I need to play interference with this person. So I'm going to be super extroverted to try and like win them over, right? Like, and so I think, I think what's great is that like, you've got these two sides of the coin of me and Sierra sort of representing like worst of yes. both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> and for folks who don't know, Sam is referencing our Enneagram numbers. If you don't know the Enneagram, check it out. It's a fantastic like personality tool to better understand yourself. And to be honest to our letter writer, it, I mean, the Enneagram, whether you subscribe to or not has been a a phenomenal tool for me to better understand myself and my loved ones, including Sam, including my wife, um, and gave me a lot of language to understand how I operate from my wound, you know, my wound of feeling unlovable, um, Mm -hmm. and seeking that lovability elsewhere and other people's wounds. Um, I, I find it really, really helpful. For sure. Absolutely. So all of this to say, there's no clear answer here. <laughs> I wish that <laughs> I wish that we could give you the list, the yeah. laminated list where you could just check things off. Um, but but what you're embarking on here is the forever work of being in relationship with ourselves and others. Um, yes. And uh, love that you're on this journey with us. Love that you're on this journey with a whole mess of other listeners and people who are doing this head and heart work. Um, but you're asking yourself the right questions. You're, you're looking at this in a way that feels sustainable. Um, and you're going to mess up for sure. Cause we all mess up and we go too far in one direction and have to course correct. But that is what life is, is finding a way forward, even as we make mistakes and even as we find places where we can be really proud of ourselves. Absolutely. All right, my darling, my kindred soul, I hope that this helps and uh, we love you. Thank you so much for writing. All right, everyone, that brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something that we think that you're really going to like. So this week, we want to send you home with... It's a book of poetry by my new friend. I always joke on here that I don't have any, I have very few friends in um, New York um, that are like mine that I made on my own outside of my wife's social social circle. But I met a new friend and I'm really excited about her. So far, she has been um, so wonderful and really generous. She is a poet. Her name is Caitlin Conlon. And um, we have had such a... uh, It can be really isolating to be self-employed. It can be really isolating to be a self-employed artist um, who doesn't have like, I don't know, uh, coworkers or an HR department or whatever. So we've had just so much fun talking about our our subsequent careers um, as writers. And she has been so generous teaching me about fucking TikTok and (laughs) promoting poetry on TikTok. Uh, It's been really fun. Um, But anyway, uh, 
I, so I'm excited to extend some generosity for her and tell everybody to go get her phenomenal collection of poetry called The Surrender Theory. You can get it anywhere. You can recommend it or request it from your local bookstore. And you can follow Kaylin at her Instagram at CGC Poems um, on Instagram to find out more for, about her. Cool. Love that you made a friend. That's I love very it exciting. Too. Thank you. I now have two friends in Albany Amazing. that are mine. <laughs> anyway. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review, and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. Like Sierra said, this most recent episode or next episode, we're going to be talking about... Disappointing people and how it's not dangerous. <laughs> Disappointing people. I was like, I was like trying. I was like, what were we talking about? Yeah. Uh, so check us out, patreon.com slash... Uh, patreon.com slash just break up pod this literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more broken-hearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice just break up is a production of duvid media original music recording editing producing all magical things by our good friend spencer with davish make sure to check out his most recent podcast uh dang that's weird and remember you are allowed to disappoint people you are allowed to say no to love that is inherently good, save the fact that it is just not right for you. You are allowed to be both flawed and worthy of care, worthy of being seen in your full humanity. And you are allowed to continually grow and change and learn more about yourself as you go. No one stays the same. And if all else fails, just break up.